0: How's Steve Ballmer doing as an NBA owner? What an extraordinary man he is, you know, great story of his success, but as unspoiled by success as anybody I've ever met, and he's, he's the most successful person I've ever met, I would guess. There's a, a, a gal named Mecco, who's the security person at this checkpoint uh, each night, and we walk up and she goes, hey Steve, how you doing? He says, hey Mecco, what's up? Mm-hmm.
1: He has never scored a basket or blocked a shot, but he is probably the most valuable player of the Los Angeles Clippers of all time. His name is Ralph Lawler. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. Ralph Lawler has been calling LA Clippers games for 40 years. The first broadcaster the Clippers franchise ever had. He has called games during seasons in which they won 13 games. And now after 40 years, he has decided to step aside. Now Frank Farino, a gentleman I have met in the desert in Palm Springs, arranged for this interview. And to give it some local focus, I asked Ralph Lawler of what it's like working for Steve Ballmer. I also talked to him about the Seattle Supersonics, the fact that I really haven't gotten over their departure And I wanted to get his thoughts on that. Also today will be a segment with Bill Maher and his new rules. Today he talks about socialism. Of course, the right wing and Fox News, or actually state news, is drawing a line in the sand in preparation for the 2020 presidential election. And of course, Democrats will now be branded as socialists. If there is anything you would like to talk about regarding the show, leave a message and I'll play your comments. The phone number is 425-653-1166. Back with Bill Maher in just a moment.
0: You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word.
1: If you have been listening to this show for any length of time, you know that I've been playing segments from Real Time with Bill Maher, which airs Friday nights on HBO, and from a particular segment he has called New Rules. The FCC has guidelines, and it's called Fair Use. And What this means is I can play only 40 seconds of a TV segment or uh, music. I would like to play more because... This new rules segment on socialism lasted for about five minutes, but again, I have to narrow it down to 40 seconds. So what I'll do is just play about 40 seconds of what Bill Maher had to say, and then I will comment on it afterwards.
0: The right has a hard time understanding the concept that we don't want long lines for bread socialism. We want, you don't have to win the lotto to afford brain surgery socialism. Socialism as an economic model replacing capitalism is bad, but socialism as a supplement to capitalism, good. Kind of like how, kind of like how gin and tonic are terrible by themselves, but mixed together, delightful. (laughs) Happiness isn't only about what you have. It's also about what you don't have to worry about. Turns out freedom from the fear of ending up in a tent below the overpass is a really great freedom.
1: That's Bill Maher from his segment called New Rules. And again, Real Time with Bill Maher airs Friday nights on HBO. Now, what Bill in his commentary pointed out is that the U.N. recently released an annual report about the happiest countries in the world. And let me just read those countries, Finland, Denmark, Norway, Iceland, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Sweden, New Zealand, Canada, and Austria. What do all those countries have in common? They have a partnership between the citizens, corporations, businesses, and the government. You may call this socialism. You may call it capitalism plus, which is what Bill Maher referred to it as. What do these countries have in common? One, access to affordable health care, strong unions, pensions, and students have access to affordable college. You know that the far right is already setting the stage for the 2020 presidential campaign. Democrats are socialists. I don't know what you would call this, but in 2015, Boeing got tax breaks and credits totaling $305 million. Dennis Mullenberg, he is the CEO of Boeing. Last year, he earned $17 million. So to be fair, if you look at the totality of Boeing's budget and where the money comes from, a certain portion of Mr. Mullenberg's salary comes from taxpayers. I spent a couple of weeks in Palm Springs this year, had the pleasure to run across a gentleman by the name of Ralph Lawler. And uh, what makes him very unique is that he's the broadcaster for the LA Clippers, both radio and television. Now, he's been in that position for 40 years. He has broadcast literally thousands of games, and in that length of time, he's only missed three games. He has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but his biggest accolade occurs on April 10th, when it will be Ralph Lawler bobblehead night at Staples Center. The players dedicated the season to him. The actor, Billy Crystal, co-broadcasted a game with him earlier this year. This opportunity became available because of a man by the name of Frank Farino. And he is a very successful individual in his own right. He is a writer and producer of such hit shows, Dallas, Falcon Crest, Dynasty. He was a staff director at ABC News, became very close to Howard Cosell, Keith Jackson, and he was the director of productions for Dick Clark. And in the course of the interview, Frank asked a couple questions. And a couple things I did do to give it a local focus. I asked about the owner of the L.A. Clippers, the one and only Steve Ballmer, how Steve Ballmer is working with the staff and the community of L.A. I also asked Ralph about his views about the Seattle Supersonics moving to Oklahoma City. My first question about what makes a great broadcaster. He knew I was from the Murrow College at Washington State. I asked about his thoughts about Edward R. Murrow.
0: There just is no news figure today that has the the presence the authority that he had the minute he sat down in the chair and started telling you about the news and the same thing is true in baseball where you had Harry Carey and here in LA we had Ben Scully there's there is not one other voice in baseball that in any way uh, is comparable to to those and many other voices that existed in the 50s and 60s and before and why do you think that happened <clears throat> One of the big differences is cable television. It used to be you had a a very limited... I was excited when I moved to California. Uh, There were seven TV stations. I was used to... In Illinois, we had two or three TV stations. There were seven. I thought, oh, my God. Of course, now there's 700 or whatever the the number is with, with cable. So everything's gotten spread so thin. It really should not have impacted people that do what I've done for all these years which is represent a team or if you're on CBS doing um, NFL football uh, it shouldn't that shouldn't be different but it is fans of most any generation think of the LA Dodgers the first person they think I was in Scully it's not one of their great players and they've had many many that's that's pretty
2: special could you address because it seems to me it, listening to what you're saying that it may be a major issue. So many of those guys, Scully, Cosell, you talked about, who got their their start in radio when there was no picture and you had to build a personality on what you sounded like over the airwaves. Is that a factor?
0: Yeah, that's a good point, Frank. The the building blocks for a broadcaster, I think, are born in, in radio. I really do. Television is, like, really simple. I mean, you've got the pictures there. You can almost not talk and Scully was the best ever at understanding there's time just to shut up. When Kirk Gibson hit that uh, historic home run in 87, whatever it was, you know, limping around uh, the base paths, he paused for a minute and seven seconds without saying a word. Now, most broadcasters are scared to death <laughs> to let 10 seconds or five seconds go by without hearing their own voice. They've they got to be a part of it. Uh, he said, you know, that ball is out of here, and just let the crowd go nuts. I get, I get tingly just hearing that crowd. And that's something that I've, I've talked a bit about. His greatest thrill was hearing the crowd cheer, and he was not going to take that away from the audience. And that's very much a radio thing. I mean. Your passion's radio. Oh, absolutely. I read in regard to Ben Scully,
1: during a broadcast, he would pretend he was sitting next to a fan in the stadium, hearing what they would want to hear a conversation Mm -hmm. always he said tried to
0: visualize himself talking to a fan in the stands that's beautifully put as only you know Vin can put that kind of stuff my dad used to tell me to try to broadcast to uh, a blind person if you can make them see what you're saying you've you've done a good job and You've had an incredible run and a couple highlights along the way that uh, you felt that kind of defined you as a broadcaster. I have no idea what that definition is or I just love every single game. I broadcast 3,200 and some slipper games and uh, for years before that in Philadelphia and and elsewhere from, from high school games to junior college games to senior college games to American Basketball Association games to now NBA games and I have loved every one. We've had Seasons with the Clippers where we won 13 games and lost 69 and I loved every one of those 82 games We've had games for a down by 20 points in the first quarter And what I've really loved is the challenge of trying to keep people listening or watching Despite the fact that we won 13 games this year or that we're down by 20 in the first quarter I always felt a responsibility to uh, The team who's trying to sell tickets and sell uh, personalities of the, of the players and to the sponsors that are spending money. If they've got a commercial in the fourth quarter, I, I've got to somehow get that viewer listener into the fourth quarter. In some ways, that was the most fun as a broadcaster, It was like taking a challenge like that and saying, OK, there's still, there's still a reason to stay with this guy, because he's going to say something interesting, informative, entertaining. He's going to tickle my funny bone or he's going to make me think something I hadn't thought about before with regards to sports or athletics. Pretty remarkable, because I wouldn't have uh, guessed that. So you never were jealous of a Chick Hearn across the valley. I always thought that Chick had a much easier job. In almost every year of all the years that he broadcast that team, they had uh, a superstar MVP candidate from Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and Will Chamberlain and then, you know, Kareem and uh, Magic and Worthy and... Uh, eventually, you know, Shaq and Kobe, they, they always had like a, a transcendent star. When, when I worked with Walton, that was kind of transformative for me because before that, I think I was kind of caught in this trap. But I'm talking about a lot of young broadcasters caught in it, trying to just technically call a great X and O game, and do everything you know by the book, just correctly, and get done. So yeah, I was right on top of that one. Well, even if you aren't right on top of something, if you're entertaining and informative that's what really works, and that's what, what I learned from from Bill. He never cared at all who won or lost the games. He was down in San Diego and uh, doing network games and just coming in and doing 35 of these games a year. He cared less who won or lost the game, but he did care about doing a really good job. He was really professional and really prepared and really bizarre. and full of hyperbole we we learned how to work together but most of all it taught me this is a game this is not real serious business let's have fun if we're having fun they're probably having fun if we're having fun they're apt to not want to turn off television set or change channels which is so easy to do how about you stepping away what what do you feel about that mixed feelings paul i mean i uh, you do anything for 40 years it's kind of hard to imagine not doing it next year. It's going to be very interesting what it's like next September when we're used to gearing up to coming back to LA from, from Oregon and uh, getting the plane and flying to Hawaii for training camp and then coming back and bam, bam, bam you're playing preseason games and then boom, that the season starts or seeing that schedule in August and determining where you're going to be for the next six months. You've got your life pretty well planned out for you. Not having that structure is going to be uh, a challenge to us, I think, to fill the voids. And i really tried not to think about it too much this year because I want to enjoy this season. I want to enjoy what I've enjoyed all these previous 40 years. A part of me is looking forward to it. A part of me is going scared to death. Yeah, I can imagine. Because you've only missed, what, four or five games in your entire career? Did I read that right? I I think it's three. I think we tried to come up with... uh, One of those was a suspended game because of something my partner said on television. They suspended us for a game. Can you Uh, share that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, We were playing Memphis, and they had a uh, player named Haddadi who was from Iran, as is typical uh, of my style if I'm from Bradley University and if a player from Bradley would come make a shot I'd say those Bradley Braves can really shoot and so Hadadi comes in and uh, Mike my partner said Iran and so I said Iran it should be Iran but I've heard the president and CNN commentators say Iran as well they pass the ball to Hadadi and he makes a little backdoor bounce pass to a guy that drives and scores, and I says, those guys from Iran can really pass the ball. There was an Iranian American attorney in town who was offended by that, uh, the use of Iran rather than Iran, and, uh, and then Mike said something about how he looked like Borat or something, and. This this guy sends a scathing email to the L.A. Times, the the Daily News, Fox Sports, and the Clippers. And uh, so the next day I get a a call to come in and and did, and they said, we're suspending you for a game. But but that and then we got caught in traffic once living out here in the desert in La Quinta, and uh, uh, there was a a big semi-tractor trailer got crossways on the freeway. The freeway was closed. We went six miles in six hours. Seattle. That's where I'm from. The Seattle Supersonics. We still haven't gotten over losing our sonics. Uh, what do you think about that? One fell swoop. We lost Vancouver to Memphis and we lost Seattle to Oklahoma City. I'd say we got screwed in both cases. Must know Kevin Calabro I would assume. Kevin is one of the one of the voices that the, the, the sport team world needs. I mean he's just so good and he's got that presence. He just jumps out of the radio or the TV. Well, what I felt really proud of him as a Seattleite
1: is that he wouldn't go to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, that's uh, you don't see that all the time. But yeah. he had the integrity to say, this team goes, I'm not going. Yeah. How's Steve Ballmer doing as an
0: NBA owner? What an extraordinary man he is. Or, you know, great story of his success. But as unspoiled by success as anybody I've ever met, and he's, he's the most successful person I've ever met, I would guess. There's a, a, a gal named Mecco, who's the security person at this checkpoint uh, each night, and we walk up and she goes, Hey Steve, how you doing? He says, Hey Mecco, what's up? That's just who he is. Uh, his, his first meeting with, uh, with the staff, he says, I'm going to give you two email addresses. One, you can share with public and fans if they want to reach me, but if you want to reach me yourself, the one that I will really respond to quickly, let me give you my private email. And so there's 150 people in the room, whatever, whatever the staff is, writing, it, writing down uh, the owner's uh, email address. And if you email him, uh, he'll be back to you just, you know, like that. And I've, I've got a cell phone uh, number in my in my phone. It, it just... Remarkable. All that said, that's just the nice human side. He's, he's a really good guy. He's a demanding taskmaster, and he wants excellence from every corner of the operation. He will, in the next five years, I'll bet you win at least two championships. My only rap on Steve Ballmer is this. He doesn't have enough energy.
2: Well, <laughs> <So laughs> I'll work on with that. Do you foresee a time in the near future, in the distant future, and hear a female play-by-play? Play. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, for sure. Absolutely, yeah.
2: Why haven't we seen more of it to this point?
0: Sexism. I mean, that's well, we didn't see black faces for a long, long time. It was racism. Maybe in the next year, we're going to have a woman head coach in the NBA. How about the future of the NBA? I don't see any, any limit. And boy, I tell you, when our ball club started in the late 70s, it was a leg that was deemed to be too black, too drug-infested to ever be successful. Is there some truth to that, I mean, as far as the drugs? Oh, for sure. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. I mean, So it's cleaned up a lot? No question about it, no question about it. I mean, I, I've, I've ridden on team buses where guys are smoking pot in the back, and uh, in the early 80s, that was so far from being acceptable. I mean, uh, it, it was commonplace, I mean, and it wasn't just pot. To me,
1: one of the things that came out, which I felt, That as a fan, before the Sonics left. I remember in 94, the Sonics were playing Phoenix for the Western Division Championship, and definitely they wanted a Barkley matchup. The bottom line is that Seattle got whistled for like 32 fouls, Phoenix 6, they lost by 6 points. I walked away going, they wanted this Barkley-Jordan matchup. Mm. This game, I wouldn't say as far as rigged, but I kind of felt that way, and I lost a lot of respect, I
0: felt. Now, I don't know if that was... Just me or what? I mean that's a cynical view. I'm still an old innocent, I guess. I mean i I just don't believe that the league would do something that would be that damaging if we're, if it were ever proven. I mean it would it could be the end of the league. I mean if you purposely fixed who was going to wind up going to the NBA Finals, the finals would work if it was Oklahoma City against Atlanta. I mean, it would work because it's the finals, but. Uh, You know, they'd love to have L.A. and New York every year, I suppose, would be the ideal. But just check and see the last time that happened. I just just don't think so. And I I may just be naive beyond belief. Well, you're there. I mean, it's fair enough. And I'm
1: not asking a question. I'm saying I have this prejudice. I'm not saying I'm accurate at all. Because uh, I'm not sure that's true or not. Or I'm just a typical Mm -hmm. fan being ticked off that we didn't make the finals that year. You know, And that's very appropriate. Because... One of the things that I've seen about sports is that you'll watch a game, and it's very interesting to see prejudices. Where you start with with, I think sports sometimes, when you view a game, you'll see every foul on your player, but you don't see the fouls in the other, and you leave the oh God, yeah. you leave the
0: <clears throat> arena,
1: and then you
2: find wow, they had this many fouls either way,
0: <laughs> you know. But you didn't see those sports. Forget that fan is short for fanatic.
2: Is there any difference? In how fans appreciate the game by the very nature these days, by which they listen and watch the games, the fact that technology has allowed them to carry something you know no bigger than a pack of cards, and you can watch a game on it. Do you watch and listen the same way they used to watch and listen?
0: It's changing as we speak, and it's going to change a lot more in the years ahead. Uh, against Steve Ballmer, with his technical background has been at the forefront of something called Clipper Court Vision. I'm telling you, it is amazing. You can tune in our telecast on, on Fox Sports Prime Ticket in L.A. If you have this Fox Sports app, now you have a choice of three different modes of watching the game. One is the coach's view, one is the player's view, and one is like the fan's view, uh, which is like you're, you're sitting with our Clipper mascot, court side you're watching watching the game. The coach's view, it will in real time, diagram the play that's being run. And the player's view, it'll show what the chances are of his making a shot from that point. He moves to that it'll say it'll say thirty five percent there. He'll move there, it'll say forty percent. He'll come down the lane, it'll say, you know, fifty five percent. He passes the ball to a guy in the corner, it'll show he's a forty two percent corner three point shooter. And Fans are loving it. They're just loving it, and then we're going to we're going to have virtual reality. They, they've they been fiddling with 3D for the last several years. I've seen it. It's pretty amazing. I mean, you feel like you're sitting on the court. Be a reason to come out to the stadiums. I think so, because they'll never be able to approximate the energy that you feel uh, in the building. My wife attends all of our games, home and road, and she loves being in the stands. She loves getting the popcorn. She loves hearing the crowd and. Having the confetti and having them shoot socks out into the crowd, being there is, is still pretty special. And it's not fans like the three of us that are buying tickets. It's corporations that are buying them and giving them out to their clients or to their people who work for them. And they'll always have the money to foot that bill, I think. Legendary
1: broadcaster for the L.A. Clippers, the one and only broadcaster the Clippers have had since their inception in 1978, Ralph Lawler. Now I'm going to leave you with two Ralph Lawlerisms, what he's become known for. The first one is "Oh me, oh my," and that's when a player for the Clippers makes a great shot. And the second one is "Bingo," and that's when a player for the Clippers hits a three-pointer. Now the quality isn't that great, but I think you'll get a sense of the excitement that he brought to the broadcast.
0: Round the of... <laughs> <Pick> your... Griffin <laughs>
2: Kicks a
0: the You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word.
1: That's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. I would like to thank Ralph Lawler and Frank Farino for sharing their wisdom and experience with us today. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. A couple of weeks ago, I had Sam Kaplan on the air, and we were talking about the international landscape. Well, I'm very pleased to report that we solved all the world's problems. Well, not exactly, but anyhow, if you would like to hear that interview, all you need to do is Google KKNW and then go to Archives and then click on the Voices of Experience a couple of times and you will find the show. You can listen to all shows that I've had for the last couple of years. Now back to Sam Kaplan. He is a former director of Trade Development Alliance of Greater Seattle. And he publishes a newsletter called International Need to Know. And one of the things he cited in his newsletter in the wake of the tragedy that took place in New Zealand a couple of weeks ago... He talked about Australia and a Pew Research poll that indicated how various countries feel about immigrants. My thought after the shooting, because the individual came from Australia, that Australia was full of bunch of racists. Okay, i am got to be honest with you. I was thinking very negatively about Australia. Well, this Pew Research poll put my feet back on the ground. Again, there were 18 countries that were surveyed, and the citizens of Australia were asked Immigrants today, do they make your country stronger or do they make them weaker? 64% of Australians said that immigrants make our country stronger. That is second only to Canada at 69%. The U.S., by the way, came in at 59%, ranking sixth. It's always good to have some clarity when you jump to your own prejudices. That's why I thought I would point that out. Also, I'm going to point out this. Kim Jong-un, Kim Kardashian... And Mitch McConnell never saw this coming. And that's the fact that the Seattle Mariners would be 6-1 and to start the season. Not in their wildest dreams. That I am 100% sure of. Have a great rest of the week.